Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is your graduate student co-host, Brandon Saxton, and your associate professor co-host, Katie Gordon, is not with me right now. I'm actually sitting here putting together our current podcast episode for this week, and Katie and I were so lucky we were invited to be over on the DocsCast, which is a podcast put out by our local comic book store, Paradox Comics and Cards, and those great folks over there invited us to come over and talk a little bit about Tom King's recent run all about Heroes in Crisis. Um, it was a really great conversation, and the folks at Paradox were kind enough to give us their audio file so we could release it to you folks as well. So without any further ado, I will turn it over to the DocsCast episode. Thanks so much, and we'll be back again next week. Welcome to another critical episode of the DocsCast. I am your host, Rich Early, and I'm filling in for Josh Trumbo with all the adjectives to visualizationing that I can think of to do. That's a word, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I'm here with the heroic Darren Gregson. How are you, Darren? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm excited. We're, we, we've got an, oh, we haven't done this for a while, but no. it's, a, it's a comic review podcast. Yes. And um, we, we have some awesome guests as well who I have not seen really properly for a while, so I'm, I'm happy to, to yep. see Katie and uh, Brandon again. And the other guy. No, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as I'm commonly known. Yeah. Now, is, welcome... that, is that true? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no. Uh, well, welcome back to the DocsCast, uh, to Katie Gordon and Brandon T. Saxton, mm-hmm. as he's known on Facebook, yeah. uh, the two members of the Jedi Council. Um, so, hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. Real quick, uh, real quick, the DocsCast is a weekly... Uh, a podcast that is uh, first streamed live on Twitch and Facebook. Uh, we pull the audio from that. We post a podcast every Monday morning. And the, if you want to find us, you can do that on our website at paradoxcnc.com. Although, we uh, big news, we have just contracted for a new website. Uh, and we're looking at URLs and everything. So everything's on the table. So it's very exciting. Uh, you also find us on iTunes. Uh, or Facebook at Paradox Comics and Cards, Twitch, we are Paradox, uh, twitch.tv slash ParadoxCNC, uh, Twitter, ParadoxCNC, you pretty much see the theme. So uh, tell us what the Jedi Council is and where they can find you, and then we'll get talking about our topic. Yeah, so Jedi Council is a blog and podcast. Um, mainly, I guess it's, it's, it's got a couple of focuses. So one is taking a look at mental health through fictional characters, um, whether they're from comic books or movies or TV shows. And then another thing that we have started to do more recently is have other folks on the show to kind of talk about their experiences and specifically maybe some of their expertise and how it might apply to those themes or current events or really just trying to disseminate accurate mental health or general psychology information in, a, in an accessible kind of way. 
Katie, accurate information is not why I go to the internet. <laughs> well, we're trying to shift the ratio so that there's a little more accurate stuff to inaccurate, leaning on that accurate side. So trying to do our part. All I'm interested in is sensationalized headlines and irrational commentary on Facebook. There's no shortage of it, so <laughs> I promise we won't take that away from you. Uh, also, I'd like to say, I kind of, I did the intro to this a little poorly. We talked about just making this a joint podcast, and I should have more clearly indicated that at the beginning. So uh, my apologies to, uh, maybe we're your guests on your podcast. <laughs> it all depends where you're listening to it. Yeah. It's through the subscription to... DocsCast or through Jedi Council. How, yeah, how do they find that? When, when do your episodes, uh, how often do you do them, where do they find them, all that jazz? Typically we have a new episode every Friday, though there are some times where it, it varies a little bit. You can find us at Jedi-Council.com or on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Yeah, yeah. All the, all the hot podcast locations. Excellent. <laughs> um, so we're here today to talk about an event comic going on from DC Comics. And one thing throughout the history of the DC Universe is when you use the word crisis, it has a certain connotation. Mm -hmm. Darren, going back to Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985, it's something that they don't bring out very often, although over the last 10 or 12 years now, more often than... Yeah, <laughs> it's another uh, way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so... Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, uh, Identity Crisis, and now a book called Heroes in Crisis. Can you set the book up a little bit for us, the creative team, what the concept is? Yes, so the, the writer is Tom King, who's currently the uh, Batman, uh, main, main Batman writer. Um, on, um, and he's also just finished up on Mr. Miracle, a 12-issue maxi-series, which was very, very good uh, with Mitch Gerard. Um, this Heroes in Crisis is a ten, no, 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 a nine-issue series. Um, for the, I think for the most part, artist Clay Mann is the artist, but there might be some very, some issues that he um, hands on the reins to another artist. I think Lee Weeks does quite a bit of the artwork in issue three. Um, there might even be a Mitch Gerard issue. So yeah, that they're the main. Only if we get lucky. Yes, I think there is. Yeah. Um, well, I love Clay Mann too. But yeah, I'll oh, Clay Mann. Yes, yep. fantastic <laughs> artist. Uh, I, the premise, I'm still working out what that is. I just um, want to say one more thing about Clay Mann. Okay. So we met Tom King and Clay Mann. Well, I met Tom yes, King and did. Clay Mann at uh, the Chicago, Chicago Comic Con yeah. in April. And Clay Mann was, was, I felt terrible. He was like the guy nobody knew who he was sitting next to Tom King. So everybody wants to talk to Tom King. And I'm just as guilty as this as anybody. We, and you actually, we had a comic that we got Tom King and Clay Mann to sign. But... King is pretty outgoing and gregarious, and and Clay Mann was just there. And and for how much I respect his art now that I that I've seen so much of it, I feel really bad that I didn't inter interact with him more than I did. At the there time. could be so, another opportunity, and you yeah, could, I hope you know, so. You could meet him. Hmm. That'd be nice. I'll apologize to him. So yes. anyway, sorry about that. He probably hasn't been able to think of anything else since that insult of you not. <laughs> yeah, That's why he's not drawing the whole full series. <laughs> 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 I got this far in, and then he's yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, we were talking about the the concept yeah. of the book. I mean, the thing the thing when it was announced, Tom King announced a book about dealing with the PTSD in superheroes, and which was sounded a really like a really interesting uh, a concept. Um, it is PTSD, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and just just like a, like what's going to be known as the sanctuary, uh, where these heroes after some traumatic events, which 
you know, if you've been reading comics or watching movies, superhero movies, you know, there's there's a lot that could be quite traumatic if it was like real. So the idea was that you know they were going to deal with that, which I thought was very interesting. So yeah, that was the premise to Heroes in Crisis. Brandon, when you've been on the show before, Batman is your your go-to mm -hmm. favorite character, but we've talked about quite a bit of things, but. I just I want to throw throw this out there with that premise in mind. I always I always thought to myself for years and years, here are these humans. Uh, I, I think I thought for some reason I thought about Kyle Rayner a lot. It was the Green Lantern mm -hmm. in the 1990s, and I mean still is a Green Lantern today. But uh, you know here's it's just an artist, and he gets this the the power ring. He goes into space, and he does all these just incredible ridiculous things. And then he comes back to Earth, and there's seemingly no impact on his psyche over mm -hmm. that. And I remember thinking over the years that that seemed very unrealistic. I don't know if that's something you've ever thought about or... No, absolutely. It's um, I, I, it's a critical kind of thing that, that I have thought about, and, and really in a big way, an impetus for some of the work that we tried to do with Jedi Council. And certainly Batman, as as you know, and, and probably even you know listeners of Jedi Council, and I've certainly talked about Batman a lot, even on Doc's cast in the past, and just in general and in public and all the time. Um, so, but with Batman, you know, we've done a number of episodes on him and, and I've gave a talk at Nerd Night about Batman and a blog post. And I, people always kind of jump to PTSD as kind of the, the conclusion that they have for Batman. And oftentimes when I've kind of discussed, at least with the blog post that Katie and I co-wrote um, kind of about Batman and his mental health, we didn't come to that conclusion of PTSD. And specifically because PTSD um, diagnostically involves a certain amount of avoidance of trying to avoid the things that kind of remind you of the traumatic event um, in addition to other diagnostic criteria and that was a piece that I just didn't see with Batman and in a lot of ways it was kind of the opposite for him he doesn't really avoid things that remind him of the loss of his parents but he kind of engages them head-on in a way to kind of um, you know change that outcome that might be inevitable for other people try to make that to to be less likely so i don't know if that kind of answers your question at least specifically oh, no, that, about batman but well, it's you're mainly just trying to set you up with oh, questions sure. these guys are the experts um katie what i was thinking of that's a really interesting uh and and uh, uh like educated opinion uh <laughs> so well. i have i'm gonna have a follow-up question about sure. that i don't want to forget it but katie there are, you know, Isaac Asimov has several novels where humans are taken to space or they go to other planets. And there's one sequence in particular. I can't remember the novel because my brain is, I'm 49 and I, you know, can't remember anything. But um, the, the humans are on a, or this person is on an alien planet and he doesn't even, like his mind can't even grasp what he's seeing. You know, like he, things are described in, in a vague way that's clearly just what he's capable of interpreting. And you know, I, I've always thought about um, in these comics when these characters go off and, and that is actually the type of experience that they're having, uh, that it was never very realistic that they would come back with no consequences, uh, which is clearly what this book is about, right? So, Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I like that and it is kind of interesting that it hasn't been addressed much or as directly as it has here. I think you get some of this in certain comics, but here it's very direct with this idea that they're heroes, but they have vulnerabilities. And what I like about the first three issues is you even see them directly talking about that, that Wonder Woman decides she's going to bite her lip because other people are suffering more, that Batman kind of pushes forward along with his mission 
for his own personal reasons and maybe for the for his team and the Bat family, but he is affected by the, the things that he's seen, and how could he not be? And so I think that without them directly addressing that, you could kind of come away with the idea that one of their superpowers, too, or that they're not affected by this exposure to these repeated traumatic events. And so I like Heroes in Crisis because it suggests, no, that's that's not true, actually. They're just kind of a lot of them aren't dealing with it or they're dealing with it in ways that aren't particularly healthy, but it is getting to them. So that that's that idea for the series is really cool and obviously really in line with our interests in terms of combining mental health and comics. Well, Brandon, my follow-up would be if Batman isn't, if you don't think he's suffering from PTSD particularly, there is a sequence at, at the end of um, issue number two of... Uh, uh, or somewhere in issue number two, where Batman takes his turn mm-hmm. in Sanctuary. Uh, so, so, does that does the scene we see there does it fit with your analysis of the character? Do you think that someone, you know, the, the, what you know of him would would he be having the conversation and thinking about the things he's thinking about in that scene? Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, that was the scene that kind of stood out most in my mind. Probably just my unintentional bias toward Batman related content um but yeah i think still considering that scene where he obviously he's kind of choking up a little bit and he's clearly looking like he's um certainly distressed about the loss of former partners that he's had and seeing you know seeing people die as a part of kind of his crusade i think that still fits within kind of this framework that i at least conceptualize batman um through wherein i don't think that he fits um at least very cleanly within the kind of specific diagnostic criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. But that doesn't mean that he's certainly not impacted by the things that he's experienced um, and he doesn't um, experience a certain amount of distress or maybe regret about some of those things. Um, And that's where you get into uh, kind of two separate kind of issues. One, of course, Batman is uh, a character with decades and decades and decades of content to kind of try to consider under a kind of diagnostic framework. And the other is kind of thinking about specific diagnostic criteria for specific mental disorders, and and they are very specific. And, um, you know, I'm certain that probably someone looking for those specific kind of instances or diagnostic criteria could find specific content that would fit within it, if that makes sense. But it just doesn't quite fit within the framework that I have for the character, at least. Sure. Yeah. And, And Katie... I, I know you have a lot of notes, and I kind of want you to just, just I want to just kind of rabbit hole your notes. But uh, I'm very fun that way. I bring notes to everything. Tom King, Tom King has, has really made a mark as a writer, uh, but he's really taking on something gigantic here. I mean, my two thoughts from what you were saying earlier is, one, if the heroes of the DC universe uh, can face their mental health issues, do you think that that makes it... Uh, easier for a reader to do that is it, it does that make them more identifiable is it, it, you know what what do you think of even taking the dc characters and, and doing this story with them because that's a that's something i've thought a lot about yeah i have a lot of hope for that because i think that people certainly anecdotally talk about drawing inspiration in their lives in their lives from superheroes and I think that here it's really direct where it sends a message that you can be really strong and have a lot of different superpowers and yet still 
benefit from talking to someone, depending on how the story goes, but the idea that talking can and facing some of those things can help you to feel better. But even that that Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman recognize that there's a need for this and recognize basically referring people to go and and to get some help. And so I I do think that people who identify with these characters can take some comfort in the story of someone who's strong is facing painful things and is able to have a better life and frankly do their job better because I think that, and I've run into this sometimes working with people in therapy, that there's an idea that they want some change but they're worried if they change certain things maybe they won't do them as well even though it's kind of that idea of a blessing and a curse so maybe the fact that Batman is the way that he is and kind of rigid about justice in certain ways that that helps him to do his work and that if he thinks more flexibly about things for example that he won't be able to do what he needs to do but I'm hoping there's a lot of potential here to challenge that idea that you can actually do better and be healthier and have a happier life if you're taking care of those needs simultaneously while doing that type of work and yeah um my my thought with it, because I, I mean I agree with that totally. I guess my my questions are, for both of you, do you think so far after three issues, and we can talk very specifically about the characters, but I'm interested in your analysis of Tom King's work so far. If you if you know um, these characters, there's a framework of the book where characters have come to Sanctuary. It's a safe place that is that is created by Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman for people to come and and uh and and well find sanctuary <laughs> uh but they they have a measure of uh, uh safety and and freedom to be able to open up you know but i'm wondering what you think of king's uh psychological analysis so far you, you know what do you, have, do you have a feel for that after three issues uh I haven't read a lot of Tom King's work so far, but maybe just comparing this to a little bit to his Batman run, I certainly think it's a lot different, and I think it's different in a really good way. So certainly I think the kind of, I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant maybe to call them therapy scenes, but I guess that's <laughs> maybe what they are. But one-page kind of scenes where the characters um, are kind of taking their turn and sitting down and talking about this, I think that they're really cool, and I certainly haven't seen anything like that before. Um, at, in comics, at least, but in in a lot of media, really, and, and they could be out there. Maybe I just haven't consumed it. So I think that that's um, a really cool kind of style, and I think that it really allows him to um, really dig into the characters a bit and, and expose some of that vulnerability that they might be facing that's really portraying them in a lot different way from facing off against the, you know, the villain and, and winning and, and kind of saving the day. Um, which isn't always the story, but, you know, compared to that. So I think it's really cool. Um, the framework of the story, I, I know we were talking a little bit before we went out, um, on the air, how it's definitely a little different, too, trying to even just figure out what exactly has happened. Um, so not only do I think it's depicted in a really cool way, where it's kind of showing this these therapy scenes and, and digging into the characters in a really meaningful way, but I actually think it's a really engaging story, and I'm really curious to keep learning more about what happened. Yeah, we were saying we were just getting pieces of a narrative mm -hmm. so far uh, that maybe 
as a whole, when it's in a graphic mm-hmm. novel form, will be a, a different read than it is mm-hmm. piece by piece. So my last thought, and then I'm going to let Katie kind of take over with all her bajillion <laughs> notes, but is uh, it's this not just... lecture. <laughs> yeah, nice. If this was happening in the Marvel Universe, that I think would be... Most people would go, oh, you know, that makes sense. Marvel always sort of digs into more of the real-world philosophy mm-hmm. of things. The fact that it's being done with the DC characters, that's the part that I'm having the most trouble with. Mm-hmm. Not not from the concept. I think the concept is fantastic. But that they're actually taking very well-known, iconic characters. Even, even some of their Tier 2 characters. Mm-hmm. Booster Gold, if you're a comic fan, is really well-known. And they're doing some strong stuff with mm-hmm. Booster Gold, you know, um, or Wally West, or, uh, you know, all these characters, not not even to mention the big three that we've talked about as well, mm-hmm. but Harley Quinn. I mean, it's not weird for Harley Quinn to have psychological trouble, I guess, you know, but mm-hmm. Poison Ivy and so on. And and they're throwing them in the, the, the mental health... Um, I, I don't want to say meat grinder, but that's the mm-hmm. word that came to mind. You know, it's it's just... That's what's, I think, most jarring about this book so far uh, is the fact that it's the DC characters. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think, you know, even as you were talking about getting just slices of the things they're going through so far, you have to know those characters pretty well, I think, for it to be as powerful. Like, part of the reason that it's so powerful to see Batman and Wonder Woman saying these things is you have this image of them as, especially Wonder Woman, as, I mean, she has vulnerabilities for sure, but she's kind of overall just looks like the epitome of resilience. And so for her to talk about this childhood story where she was in a lot of pain and her she couldn't go to her mom to soothe her, I think that that's a big deal to have a major character like that. So it is hard to get used to that because even though I've read a fair amount of Wonder Woman, this is very different than the other stuff that I've seen. And from a writing perspective, forgive me, but it felt like it felt like I was reading a, a real story from a real woman. I mean, I really felt... You know what I mean? Like, it was a unique story. I don't think a male character could tell that same story, you know? Like, I, I just thought it really, it, that was a really powerful scene. Yeah. Um, all right, you guys have done a great job answering all my questions. <laughs> Thank you. But we primarily brought you on because we want you to talk about the book. So I don't know how you want to go about it exactly, but we just really <laughs> want to hear the Jedi Council take, you know, on Heroes in Crisis. So. Okay, well... I will enlarge my notes, Brandon, in case <laughs> you want to talk about any of these things. But I, uh, before launching into my lengthy notes, is there uh, anything that you particularly wanted to talk about or bring up? Um, you know, I not specifically, no. I guess I, the real thing that I have really enjoyed so far and will continue to enjoy as it keeps going is is the specific kind of therapy scenes. I think that's actually a really cool um, I guess, I don't know if it's right to call it a feature, but a really cool aspect of the series so far. Um, and like I said, what I really like about it is it just gives um, Tom King a, a chance to really display these characters or maybe um, explore aspects of these characters that haven't really been dug into before. So I think um, to the extent that those continue, um, I think that's just a really cool part of the comic. I know that's that maybe there's not a lot of content in me just saying that's cool, but no, I I think it's really cool. And one of the things that I liked is that in the second issue, Batman specifically says thanks to where he is anonymous, 
This allows heroes to talk about their pain and shame. All information gathered by Sanctuary is immediately deleted. Mm -hmm. Who comes, what they say when they leave, nothing is reported. It's suggested that this may not be true, but the idea is the concept there that to, for it to truly be safe, it has to be completely anonymous. And it reminded me that is does parallel how therapy is done mm -hmm. with confidentiality, where it has to, I mean, that's a major part of our ethical code is that when you're doing therapy, you have to keep the information confidential. Otherwise, why would people feel comfortable mm -hmm. opening up about those things? There are exceptions to confidentiality. Mm -hmm. For example, if there's harm, if the person might harm themselves or other people. But that idea there, I think, is important. And the fact that it would be immediately deleted, I think, allows them to talk. And so I, I liked that part. It's certainly that seems like those conditions would have to be there for these people to open up. Yeah, I, that scene actually specifically stood out in my mind too because I really liked that interaction between um, the, the characters in that scene where they're saying, you know, all right, Batman, like, let's fi go ahead, do your thing. Let's kind of <laughs> figure out who did this. And he's like, no, we, we just don't have the data. Like, come on, like, you've got kryptonite in the belt. You once planned how to take us all down. Like, okay, we get it. And he's like, no, seriously, I, there, it's not there. And so I thought that was a really cool interaction um, just, just because, I mean, even, like, the people around him were a little, like, incredulous that he didn't actually somehow have some underlying uh, you know, system or feature in place to kind of, you know, a safeguard of some kind, like yeah. you would expect that he always does. So I thought that was a really cool scene. Should I just go through? Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but chime in, please, anyone. Yep. Uh, so something really interesting in the first issue is is Harley Quinn starts talking about uh, her experiences with the with the Joker, and she actually quotes one of the more famous figures in mental health, uh, Sigmund Freud, and she says, no one who, like me, conjures up the most evil of those half-tamed demons that inhabit the human beasts and seeks to wrestle with them can expect to come through the struggle unscathed. And I assume she's, a lot of it is talking about how she went from being a mental health professional herself and then, and then getting involved with the Joker and the things that have happened since then. So one of the psychological concepts that stood out to me there is that as we just talked about they're there to deal with tra various traumatic and other uh, stressful things they've been exposed to and here it's kind of turned in the other direction which is i'm going to become kind of I, wrestling with my demons or dealing with those comes with its own kind of battle wounds or or the, people might come out or she says a bit scathed and so i thought that was kind of interesting and I don't know, maybe we could talk a little bit about that gets at a point of what therapy actually is. Mm -hmm. Well, does she feel a little more at home <laughs> here yeah. than the other characters do to you? Yeah, because of her mm. because of her having been in hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah, she seems to have more of it's not like you were saying, it's not surprising to hear her struggling with psychological issues and talking about it and even being familiar with Freud given <laughs> her degree and also her experience as a client of therapy. Yeah, I think it's another nuance to the writing of the book where um, I read a lot of comics, and I read a lot of comics where there are word balloons that come out of faces, and the but the words could be attributed to any character mm -hmm. in the books. But I feel like there are a lot of little scenes in this book that are you know only attributable to the character 
that's in the scene. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that kind of goes back to kind of what I thought or think is one of the really neat underlying features of it is just digging into these characters in a really meaningful way that, like you kind of pointed out, Rich, I think that maybe traditionally hasn't been done um, to the same degree in DC as maybe it has been in Marvel, kind of more of the micro level kind of themes maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, one of the things I think that can be kind of a misconception of therapy that I've heard people talk about is the idea that you go in and someone comforts you that is often part of it um, and they're kind of hand-holding you and telling you everything's okay but in a way that's not particularly helpful like they're coddling you or something like that and therapy at least the way that we've been trained on it isn't like that so I don't know if you want to say oh I'd love to hear your analysis that that makes me think Mm -hmm. of my best therapist in my life Mm -hmm. Uh, said to me, you know, you're here with a, you know, if you're here, it's because we have a plan. Uh, and as soon as we don't have a plan, either you're, you know, if you're not working on that plan, then I don't know why you're here. And if, we're, if we've accomplished that plan, I don't know why you're here, you know, so. Yeah, that sounds like a good therapist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, maybe on the outset, just saying there, there are a lot of different therapists with different styles. But absolutely. Yeah, certainly the, uh, well, one of the people who trained me to be a therapist, of course, is in the room, so. <laughs> um, maybe unsurprisingly, no unsurprisingly to her, perhaps um, the style of therapy that I, um, you know, try to give or, or engage in is really action oriented. And of course, there's going to be that um, that support and that positive regard for the person that I'm working with and that very genuine therapeutic kind of relationship. But I want to make sure that. Uh, you know, we're recognizing that when I'm meeting with someone for therapy, it's just an hour a week, and there are several, several, several other hours in the week as well. And if we only try to make change during that one hour, um, that might not be very effective. So to the extent that we're really being um, intentional in how we spend the time that we have together and trying to generalize and develop skills that can be practiced outside of the time that we have together is certainly the approach that I have. So I think to the extent that we can challenge kind of the idea that that therapy is just going in and and venting for an hour every week um, and and it's maybe reframing it more that it's a very intentional um, skill building kind of action oriented kind of process with measurable goals and outcomes I think that's a really great thing. Katie what are your thoughts on this? You brought it up. (laughs) Yeah I mean, I agree with Brandon <laughs> for reasons. Pass <laughs> that test. Um, no, I. I mean, that's the whole idea. So the, I want to be clear, and as Brandon was saying, like part of it is the therapist making sure the person is comfortable mm-hmm. and assessing their readiness to cope mm-hmm. with these things. But it is my belief that. For most therapy, it depends on it. So I'm trying not to make too general of it. But in general, the idea is face rather than avoid when the person's ready. And sometimes that means teaching how to cope or building up their support network and not diving into the traumatic things. you got to be able to make sure that they've got some things in place to deal with some of the scathing that might happen with that. And a good therapist will try their best to do that and work collaboratively with the client to figure out what they're ready for. And so I'm excited about that idea of Wonder Woman, like I said, just in all of them kind of keeping these things in and then creating a sanctuary that's a safe kind of area for them to talk about 
their feelings and deal with these things. And and I like that because it, it really mirrors how therapy sets up certain elements. You know, it's not like if, if it was easy as just thinking about the bad thing that happened, then you wouldn't need a therapist, right? You so for the, for the purposes of Heroes in Crisis, mm -hmm. a safe spot is a place not in the war zone, so to speak. You right, know, right. Where they're, they're, you're... They're they're out of the environment where they would be endangered because they're they would be attacked by someone or they would be mm -hmm. defending the city against someone. That's that's the safety here. But you're basically saying that's sort of a a metaphor for what is happening when you first come to the therapist's office. That it, you're creating. yeah, yep. it's anonymous. It's led by them. What do they want to talk about? They have that option, so they're very much in control mm -hmm. of the things they're talking about. No one's forcing them to talk about certain things. And so yeah, those are the types of things. There does seem to be, and, and, and I don't know what the purpose of this is, but in the book, you know, every time we meet uh, a character or see a character, and sometimes it's a page and sometimes it's a panel in the structure we're talking about, they always say their name. You know, it seems like everyone mm -hmm. is like, I'm so-and-so, and then says something short about themselves. I, we only have three issues, so I assume more mm -hmm. is going to unfold, but I'm, I'm curious why that? You know, like, why do they always say their name at the beginning, you know, uh, when we first see them? I'm only speculating, but mm -hmm. my guess is that it maybe is somewhat rooted in the kind of popular culture depiction of a therapy group where you start by saying your name and then go around the group. That was kind of what I thought maybe was a piece of that. Um, I don't know if you have any different thoughts, but we never. Well, no, I don't. I, yeah. I was curious if there was a, a methodology or something. Behind it. But like, um, we don't know who they're talking to right. ever. We we or unless I'm. Uh, just a really bad reader, you know. That's that's one of the pieces that mm -hmm. we're missing here is who are they telling these stories to uh, exactly? No, it's a good question, and certainly one of the pieces. I think if I'm not wrong, they're all sitting in the same spot because mm -hmm. I think there's an emblem that's behind each of them. So that I, I that made me wonder or think because I was wondering that too if they were in a circle, but I didn't think that they were because of that. But I might be misremembering. Well, it's being recorded also. Right. We, now, we know that as yes. well. And so to some degree, I, I was wondering if they're talking to a camera. Right. Uh, but then if they're, if they're only talking to a camera, then there, would there be a, a form of therapy that wouldn't have a therapist on the other side where you would just sit down and, and you do the talking? I mean, what, that seems, well, yeah. I, I don't know very much about this. I do know there are things like apps that people sometimes use and that researchers have tried to develop things like kind of self-manualized types of treatments. They, I don't think at least any that I'm familiar with involve um, that kind of style like we're seeing in the comic. Um, and I don't know very much about the research kind of about that those modalities that aren't driven on kind of lack that component that I was talking about earlier that involves that kind of very genuine therapeutic relationship. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. For now, it's part of the mystery of the book. Yes. Uh, all right, Katie, you're killing it. What else you got here? <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to bring up, this is maybe a little bit of a minor thing, but with Hotspot, he's talking about having a catchphrase, and it's, I'm just warming up. And then he says... Um, we're all trying to be something. It helps, right, knowing you got something to say, right? Even if you go out, at least they'll remember you. And I just think that taps into a kind of basic human need that to be recognized or to have some purpose or have some meaning. And so his way of, of establishing that is coming up with a catchphrase 
that people will remember regardless of what happens after he says that. And I just thought that was very relatable, that most people want to leave some kind of legacy or have some purpose in their life and be remembered. So I like that as a psychological concept in the in that uh, issue. Yeah, what are the other little moments uh, from the characters that stood out? I like that Arsenal said, I'm Arsenal and I'm a superhero and an addict, so two things. Because I think that a lot of the time, especially people struggling with substance use disorders or other types of addictive issues, sometimes there can be this tendency to have have dichotomous thinking about it, that they're, they're just an addict or they're just someone who uses substances. And here he's very powerfully drawing the contrast of being a superhero and also, as he calls himself, an addict. And so I think that pushes against the, I guess I would say, oversimplistic views of people who are struggling with addiction and instead says, you know, it's kind of like it has, it's not just who you think or whatever your stereotype about it is. Instead, you can be multifaceted and being a superhero doesn't protect you from also struggling with addiction. I like that, too. How about you, Brian? Any little character moments like that? Yeah, I, I think that this one was maybe already referenced, but I wanted to circle back to it was Wonder Woman when she references that, you know, other people maybe had it worse than she did, so she was just going to kind of bite her tongue and keep it to herself. Cause, yeah, is she a Midwesterner? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe a, yeah, yeah, most likely. Um, no, uh, it, I think that that... There are a few things to maybe unpack from that. That's a sentiment that I've heard before is, you know, other people have it worse. Therapy isn't for me. So I think in a nutshell, the I mean, the theme of the whole series so far, or one of the many themes, is that um, everyone can ask for help. And things don't have to be so bad before you ask for help. It's okay to just recognize that you have that need, even if other people have it worse per your perspective. Um, that doesn't mean that you couldn't benefit from seeking those services or seeking that support. Um, and it also reminded me a little bit of sometimes the guilt that people sometimes have when they're reaching out for help. Um, I'm thinking sometimes of specifically of people who I've worked with who have had depression and they have this very low mood and, and these symptoms that are causing them to stress and, and impairing their functioning and their ability to accomplish the things that they want to do. But they feel guilt because they feel bad and they say, you know, I, I shouldn't feel this way. My life is fine. And then that really just turns into a really negative cycle where you already feel bad. And then when you compound that by feeling guilty about feeling bad, that's just a really, really dangerous cycle for people to get caught up in. That's very negative and very predictive of poorer outcomes. So I would just encourage people who maybe have that mindset that, you know, I, other people have it worse. I don't need to reach out for help. Just because you think someone else maybe has it worse doesn't mean that, that you don't need help too or, or that you couldn't benefit from help as well. Darren, do you have any exciting questions? I don't. I'm just captivated by uh, what Katie... I, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I, no. I knew you would be polite. And yeah, no. This is great. Katie, more notes? Well, I do have more notes, but I, if I can just add to... I agree with what Brandon said, and I also... One of the things that's really interesting about that is that Wonder Woman's known for her compassion. I mean, they even specifically say that Sanctuary is built with Wonder Woman's compassion. 
And here she's not showing compassion for herself at mm -hmm. all. And you can kind of find things out of balance in a, in a variety of ways. Sometimes people only have compassion for themselves mm -hmm. and very little for other people. Often it's the reverse way. But in a balanced way, you can say, you know, maybe I haven't been through the worst things in the world, but still I can feel bad that when I was a little girl and I had nightmares, I couldn't seek out comfort from, from my mom, which is a very reasonable thing to expect. And so I like that. I don't know where that's going to go, but I think that's kind of a surprising, another juxtaposition, I think, from how you usually think about Wonder Woman. But very true. I mean, there are people like that, right? They have a lot of empathy for other people, and then... Mm -hmm it's harder for them to have that towards themselves and the reverse too. Right. We should come back when this is all said and done and, and uh, uh, see what see where it wraps up. Um, I'd love to. Booster Gold. Yeah. Uh, the other is, I mean, the story seems to be, there are a lot of characters in the story, but it seems to, to me that Harley Quinn uh, and Booster Gold are the two forces that the story is revolving around. The, the, the action, you know, mm -hmm. um, we certainly have the big three, Superman, Batman, one who are, who have set it up and coming to investigate. But it seems like these two are at the heart of our mystery. And so one thing we didn't talk about is at the very beginning of the story, uh, there's been a apparently a mass shooting at the place. And these people, as we've talked about all the safety that was provided and all that, and it seems to have not been enough for whatever reason. Um, and you guys maybe, maybe you have some thoughts on this uh, or maybe you're... you're your trained psychological minds will have found clues that the rest of us didn't so far. But um, And so we have a lot of characters uh, dead uh, at the beginning of the story. I mean, that's three months ago. Pardon me for spoilers at this point. Um, but uh, that the, the mystery then is who, who killed them, and you alluded to Batman not really knowing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but reading the story, it seems to be coming down to, and I mean, this is going to be a spoilery part of the talk, I guess. So... My apologies, if you haven't read the book, this is the time to stop listening <laughs> apparently right now. But it seems to be either that it's Harley Quinn or Booster mm -hmm. Gold. Uh, at least that's the read so far. Or that Harley certainly seems to know what's happened, mm -hmm. and Booster seems more crazy. Like, he doesn't necessarily know. Does that make sense uh, between the two of them? But And I'm just curious about Booster Gold and, and what you guys think so far. Yeah, I mean, I... That was my next note. <laughs> sure. I, so one of the things that I don't know what's what's going on there either, right? It seems like Harley Quinn is doing the killing, at least so Booster Gold thinks, but then he wonders if it's him, like you said. And so I'm wondering, and also, to be honest with you, kind of hoping it doesn't go in the direction of dissociative identity disorder or multi sometimes called multiple personality disorder, that, that Booster Gold you know, has these different personalities and that's why he was unaware that he was doing it. And the reason I hope it doesn't go in that direction is just because it's been done so oh, yeah. many times mm -hmm. that I'm hoping it's something a little different than that. And also, it's usually done... The other part about it, um, Brandon and I, I think most recently talked about this in detail when we're talking about the movie Split, is that it also tends to be used as a way to explain people who are being violent. And that's just... A terrible misconception about people who have mental health problems. I mean, they're much more likely to be victimized than to be perpetrators of violence. Mm. So I I wondered if it was in that direction. I don't mm -hmm. know if you were thinking that too, Brandon. Yep, actually I was. And um, and also I had all the same thoughts, probably unsurprisingly, having mm -hmm. processed through S Split as well. 
and uh, and really hoping that that it's not kind of a repeat of of that same old kind of song and dance. Um, especially, it's just it's just in my experience a, a problematic depiction of dissociative identity disorder that people seem to consume in a very factual way. I very specifically remember. And spoilers for Split, and that movie came out a long time ago, so I feel very comfortable. <laughs> I spoiled the comic we're talking about. <laughs> so uh, folks who aren't familiar maybe with Split, my five-second review is it's a man with dissociative identity disorder, and one of his personalities is quite literally a monster. Um, and he experiences very genuine physiological changes when he changes between these personalities. And a student very genuinely asked me, you know, one of those personalities was, was diabetic and had to take insulin. Um, well, how common is that? And, and understandably that she would think that, but so that's where I just, I, I get a little bit, um, I, I, I would caution people, I guess, about, about the way that they depict certain disorders because of the way that it can be consumed as fact. Yeah, it's misconceptions and also uh, redundancy. Like, I don't know if you, if anyone's seen that movie adaptation that came out a while ago, mm -hmm. but they kind of poke fun at this idea because his brother is writing that movie, The Three, and yep. it's and he just talks about how overused this is. And to be clear, the the disorder is something that should be studied and represented with compassion. I understand why it's so interesting to people, but I think. I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that there's something unexpected here. So, to, I guess to circle back to your original question about, about Booster, uh, Booster Gold, I don't have a lot of thoughts yet, uh, but certainly a lot of curiosity. Do, do either of you have much background with Booster to refer to coming into this story? I have none. Okay, that, yeah, that was just a, something I was wondering about. So. Yeah. Mine is pretty limited, too. He, he, for the most part, uh, has just been a, a fun, minor character. He's exactly what he describes. He, he acquires this, uh, the, this uh, you know, he's got all this knowledge in the past. Because from the 24th century, he was a f high school football player. He blew out his knee, so he couldn't become a pro football player. And he steals the suit and goes back in time to uh, try to make a name for himself as a hero, you know. And uh, so it reminds me of Hotspot when you were <laughs> talking mm. about him wanting to uh, be something, but he was, but he was always sort of like endearingly charming and slightly buffoonic. You know, he, mm -hmm. he was, he was, he had this, he had, you know, he had, he had his ego and he wanted to do these things sort of for selfish reasons, but he still chose to do heroic things. Right. Um, uh, so he was doing good and, and he's always, that's who he's always been. Um, over the years, over the last 10 years, they've taken him and they sort of turned him into a time traveler. Uh, and I wonder if that isn't what this is about a little bit. It's something I was thinking at the beginning of the story. He, he during the New 52, was aware of the previous universe to get into, mm. like, comic continuity at all, right? And so uh, I, I just get this impression that we're supposed to think that time travel has snapped his brain or something uh, in this story. And, and, that's, and I, can't, I don't quite understand it. It's a total break from anything we've seen from the character so far and actually bothers me quite a bit. So I'm interested, I'm, I'm really interested to hear about your interpretations of, of that, you know, that you've said as well. So, so I don't know. Uh, that's, that's booster. <laughs> that, that's good to know. I think that the other thing that kind of rings true and people struggling with issues is he's wondering if he killed people or not. And mm -hmm. he's struggling with that, that, particular manifestation isn't that common fortunately but the idea of 
is what I think happened real is something that's pretty common for people to wonder about. And sometimes it's literally if they're suffering from schizophrenia or something and, and just having a hard time being told that something that they're actually seeing or hearing, but other people are saying isn't there. Try and understand how to be okay with yourself and understand that you're seeing things that aren't real and trying to come to terms with that. And then there are other people who maybe have anxiety and they're worrying about something a ton and they'll say things like, you know, um, I feel like I'm crazy because I just can't stop thinking about this thing, even though rationally I know it's not a big deal. And so that part is interesting and his struggling with what to do and then thinking, well, what would Batman do? Do I turn myself in or not? Because I don't know if I really did it. So, so that's I like what him. I think. I, th I get the impression like Harley knows what happened and he yeah. doesn't or or that he does. Maybe he witnessed whatever happened, but could it be that he witnessed what happened and it, and it, and it drove him... Uh, sort of mad. Is that possible? Yes, I mean... Or is that I, more of a stretch for what we're seeing from his behavior? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's tough to say. Definitely, if he saw that kind of mass killing, that could definitely very negatively affect him, maybe especially if he's already vulnerable because he's got all this time-traveling stuff going on and has a hard time maybe piecing a clear picture together. It's not real common for people to completely not know if it was them who did it. That's pretty unusual and pretty rare. Can happen in extreme times of stress. But yes, that's my. Those are my thoughts. Anyway. So schizo uh, schizophrenia or a multiple personality seems to be the most likely to you. Yeah. Maybe I like I said I'm hoping yeah. it goes in a different direction. And then there are people who don't have dissociative identity disorder or sometimes called multiple personality disorder, but they can have periods of dissociation where basically they're not, they feel detached from reality. And everybody experiences this to some extent when we watch a movie or we're daydreaming, we're not completely conscious of things that are going on, but to the extreme level where you kind of black out and do something and don't remember and there are no substances involved, that's rarer, but it, it does happen sometimes. And so it's possible that that happened, especially during extreme times of distress when it does happen that can be kind of the setting in which it happens so we really want to see how the story plays out to see how yeah on top of his psychological game tom king is mm -hmm. um we're almost out of time okay. um i just uh, uh i i can't thank you guys enough for uh the analysis and the thoughts so, i mean i guess i'd say if you've got a a core comment you know what bottom line comment it's probably time for those sure i have two uh the first one is and i already said it so i'm repeating myself but one of the themes of the story is really that it's okay um for everyone regardless of your perceptions of the experiences of others to take a step back and say maybe things could be going a little bit better for me right now and reach out to get the support that you might need to get to a place um, where you might be more comfortable. And the other one is um, specifically for Tom King, um, assuming he's listening, is if he needs, <laughs> you know, any advice or bounce <laughs> some ideas around about the psychology of these characters, uh, just give, give me a tweet. 
I've, I've spoken to him on Twitter. Perfect. Like, yeah. You have? That's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, man, I mean, he remembered me because uh, he, uh, oh, cool. uh, we had copies of issue 24 of Batman is the proposal issue. <laughs> and so I brought copies to get signed to me and, and Jen because uh, we had just recently got engaged and whatnot. So, uh, so that was really cool. And you remember that. And, and I told him I was a retailer. Uh, and I got really good at introducing myself as America's only blind comic book retailer. Uh, and then he's, you know, and one of the things he said to me was, well, how can, you know, how can I help you sell more comics? And it caught me off guard. I didn't have an answer. You know, Tom King is asking me how to help me sell more comics. So anyway, um, Katie, so how, cool. about, how about you? A, a final uh, bottom line-ish thought. I'm not good at synthesizing long things into brief statements. <laughs> Nope, I want one. Okay, I'll come up with one real quick. I mean, I I just think that, to me, one of the themes is that people have their own struggles going on and that avoiding thinking about them or dealing with them has negative effects. In the short term, it might feel better to not think about those negative things. Like, you can keep going on and going about your life, but usually... If there's something that that you've experienced, especially like them, I mean, they've experienced these very stressful events, that if you neglect those things, they can take a toll on your health. And so it can be helpful to face them, but a big part that's helpful is having someone to help you through that process so that you're not just kind of on your own and facing it. And that can give you the confidence and tools that you need to cope with it. Okay, so here are my last couple questions or thoughts. Uh, And again, this is the... Uh, a joint uh, podcast with the uh, Paradox Comics and Cards DocsCast and with the Jedi Council podcast. Uh, you can find the DocsCast every Monday morning on iTunes or on our website, currently ParadoxCNC.com, hopefully something new soon. Uh, and you can find the Jedi Council every Friday on everything, uh, <laughs> Spotify, iTunes, and more. Um, and, uh, and we can make sure we plug all the information once again. But uh, my final couple of questions are, one, not everybody's going to have the same outcome because it's up to the patients to to make the journey. And, and so I'm kind of interested in that. You know, of, of, I don't know if we have much indication of which of the characters are going to make their therapy journey, but that was something I wanted to ask you is if you had spotted anybody you thought was uh, had a better chance to <laughs> do well in therapy than others so far from what we've got. Does that make sense? Yeah. Superman stood out to me because, I mean, he is Superman, so he's got some some definite kind uh, of... He had kind of a made-up issue. He's like, yeah, maybe I've got an issue to make everybody else feel good, too. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe that's part of why, but I think he just had a lot of insight and openness about his struggle, which is balancing these different identities as being human and as being a superhero, being Clark Kent and being Superman, and figuring out like which one am I really and am I making one more this way or the other and I guess part of actually what you're saying so I think part of it is because it seems like a very addressable issue so far as compared to Batman who's like these people that were like sons to me died and it's partially my fault for training them and bringing into that so I think you're right that is probably part of it so he's kind of got the insight and he's also got something that's pretty manageable to process and work through yeah yeah i guess i would mirror the same thing and and i i don't think there are a lot of other hints as to who might be most or least successful (laughs) on their course of treatment yet um but certainly you know the the 
maybe uh, outside of comic thing is that you know therapy is work um and, and it's not easy work uh it's it's definitely hard work so i guess maybe whoever is willing to kind of put in put in that effort to challenge those things that are obviously um very very meaningful and and traumatic kind of events i guess might predict better outcomes the thing i think is there are a lot of movies that deal with psychological issues so i don't know Mm -hmm. why heroes in crisis sort of strikes me in a different way i think again it's because it's the dc characters Mm -hmm. uh and and because tackling them this way is just so different uh than than what you would expect but how much responsibility does a writer or you know if you were if you were going to write a psychological story mm-hmm. you know you were going to sit down you had you know brandon or katie you had a movie idea or whatever uh you know does tom king have a lot of responsibility to try to do it i don't want to say right i hate the word right you know but like in a responsible way does that make sense it, or mm-hmm. uh for the story to matter for one or just in general you know what what does that do you think about that yeah, I think that we think about that a lot, and certainly in past episodes that we've done, we've we've commented on that and qualified things quite often and said, you know, the people who made this made it to be entertaining, and they didn't make it to be educational. Um, so mm-hmm. although this is kind of our perspective, or these are maybe the areas that were more accurate or less accurate, we kind of recognize that. Um, but I do think that I, I say that with a, maybe a grain of salt, where if as a content creator someone approaches you maybe and and kind of gives you this information or or evidence that maybe the work that you're putting out has the potential to be harmful to people's mental health mm-hmm. by depicting mental health in a way that um, might um, lead to further stigmatization um, then i i think that's where i tend to maybe be a little bit less um, you know understanding of people who are who are just trying to entertain or create content Answer, I think. I think smarter than I know. I hope. Katie. Yeah, Brandon and I are on the same page about this. I think because a lot of people, we can say people shouldn't get their information about mental health from a comic book, but people get mental health information from the stuff that they consume. And usually they're not, unless they're in the field, particularly reading research articles or know how to discern from what's been written more accurately and less accurately. I think, I mean, I would have a hard time with any field that isn't mine trying to figure out what's what's kind of the higher quality or lower quality or accurate stuff. And so, yeah, this definitely comes out when teaching classes about mental health, but just in conversations that people have ideas about what it means to struggle with mental health problems and it being synonymous with evil or being a villain and that's really harmful to people who are already struggling with mental health problems it can prevent people from seeking care it can make people keep their distance because they're worried that someone's dangerous when there's not that much risk of danger and so yeah i mean artists can have the freedom to do what they want but i really like when they take the time and effort to also do it responsibly all right. Well, thank you very much for for uh, doing this, and and uh, by double dipping, we each get a free episode <laughs> to post. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, I guess uh, you know if you're watching us on Facebook or Twitch tonight, we're going to do two more episodes. We're going to do our 
2018 year in review uh, episode, which I know will turn into two parts, and because uh, we'll talk too much. Um, so that's coming up next. But I mean, thanks very much, Brandon and Katie, and uh, and listeners. We will see you on the next Docscast and the next Jedi Council. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.